Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesomer.com NBA strategy show presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Dave Lochran at Lafayette underscore D on the Twitters, L O U G H Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners. Joined by Adam Share at Ship My Money DFS, breaking down another three game slate to kick off the work week. What's going on, bro? Yeah, uh, nice. Had a nice weekend. Nice to get a day off, but uh, glad to be back talking basketball. Yeah, uh, I got to say, this is there have been some really fun games in this series so far. And there's some odd ones, too, like the Devin Booker injury. I, I knew that it would be impactful. I thought I thought the Suns would still at least have a 3-1 lead here. I mean, they're knotted up at 2-2. Minnesota, Memphis knotted up at 2-2. Timberwolves could be up 3-1. There, there's some good series happening right now. Yeah, there are. And it is kind of surprising. Like, I think going in, everybody assumed Boston and Brooklyn was going to be the series that was like really competitive. And then after that first game, that kind of like solidified it. But, you know, you have a 3-0 series there. And then a lot of the series that I think we thought weren't going to be competitive are, are more so. Yeah. And then you've got this one with Utah and Dallas. I said to Josh yesterday on the deeper dive for the for the Sunday slate, this has been maybe the most fun series in the in, in the postseason so far. I don't think I ever would have anticipated that. But uh, even without Donches, like Dallas just raining down threes. It's been a fun one. I mean, they seem like they are the better team, especially if Donchich is back. Yeah, I agree completely. All right. Well, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Happy to have all you guys with us. As always, subscribe to the channel. And if you haven't done so yet and you want to, hit that join down below. Get the free Super Chats each month, the custom emojis, the sweet badges. You see them in chat already. And I will always prioritize your questions and comments along with our Discord, premium Discord members, I should say. All right, let's do it. We'll dive right into this one. Boston and Brooklyn, Celtics looking for the sweep here, man, which is crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I said to Josh, too, that I'm, I, I don't know. How, it's like, I don't want to take an L on Kevin Durant, but I'm coming into this going, hey, this guy, guy might be the best player in the league, and uh, he's a difference maker, and, and this team is is – and and I at no point was I counting out Boston at all. They're a phenomenal team. The depth across the board is insane. But you've just watched Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving deteriorate in front of our eyes for three straight games now. Yeah, just a really, really disappointing series, particularly from Durant. Um, was this I, I don't remember who was tweeting it now, one of the basketball guys that I follow, but was just kind of like uh bashing Steve Nash too for not making any adjustments to like get Kevin Durant open because of the way Boston's been able to defend him and just not let him get to his spots. Um, so I, again, like I wasn't, I haven't watched that closely. So taking their word for it, just uh, thought it was kind of interesting that Steve Nash is getting some blame here too. I've seen that as well. It's, it's really like, it's one of those polarizing issues where some people are completely anti Steve Nash and then everyone else is either anti Irving and, and KD. There's no real gray area. There's no, right. you know what I mean? There's no nuance to it. It's just, extremes on either side i i don't know for someone as good as kevin durant and kyrie irving who have found who have you know shot themselves open on a million different occasions i tend to to look at this and say i would expect even without a coach for them to score more than 16 points in a game three at home each. right yeah i was gonna say i kind of feel like the it, it's still the middle ground like kevin durant can be playing poorly and is playing poorly and it's also possible that nash is doing nothing to help him for sure. And it's funny because those two guys are the ones that recruited Nash to Brooklyn. Right. If you remember, it was it was Irving because this was a whole 
well, I won't get into that, but there was another thing on Twitter. If you remember the Steve Nash hiring, uh, there were a lot of people. Um, I won't get, I don't have an opinion on it, but it was supposed to be like, it should have been Jock Vaughn, right? It am was, I it was, am, I, am I remembering right? There was a lot of people, there were a lot of people talking about like it not being a minority hiring and stuff like that at the time. It was a very right, polarizing because, time. Right? Yeah, yeah. But am I remembering right that it was Jock Vaughn that yes. had like, okay. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And then the other argument was, well, Irving and Nash were the ones that, that wanted Steve, or Irving and Irving KD and were the ones KD. that wanted Nash. And that's the only reason I remember any of that because it became a big thing on Twitter as everything becomes right. a big thing on Twitter when it's generally a, a non-factor to begin with. But um, on the Boston side, you get Robert Williams back. Uh, the The thing here now is, we, we let's just kick it off with Boston. Are, are we looking at a situation where, <clears throat> where we could have Robert Williams get back to 30 minutes? Because Ime Yudoka said last uh, after last game that we could see him get back to his normal you know, 29, 30 minute role, which is what he played on the regular season, uh, only played 15 minutes in that game three. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time expecting that here since he did only play 15 minutes. And prior to that game, uh, first Udaka had said that uh, he would be limited to around 20 minutes. Then closer to the game, they said he'd get up to 24. He only played 15. So I have a hard time thinking that, you know, he's just going to go back out there and play 30. If he were to start, obviously that would be a good signal for his minutes. But if he doesn't start, I... Certainly, I'm not expecting that. And if he does, I still think I would be expecting, you know, like mid-20s more so than going straight to 30. And Charles said his resume, not lack of color, was the issue. I'm not, I'm not making any argument. I'm saying what Twitter was saying. I vividly remember this being an issue on Twitter. The, the resume, yeah, I totally agree with. It. Right. That, that, that was kind of the point was there was nothing about Steve Nash that should have moved him to the front of the line. Exactly. And they just went and grabbed some white dude that didn't have a resume. Right. But I don't think it has to do anything with him being a white dude. I think. Right. Right. To... No, but that, that's what the argument was. Oh, 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 gotcha. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it was compounded by that for sure. But I think, right. yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I thought you were, I thought you were, I was going to say, no, nah, I don't, I don't see that at all, especially given that the players were looking to get him in there. Uh, he does seem to be over his head, but at the same time, KD and Irving aren't helping him. We've seen players help their coaches out before. I'll take take Mike Budenholzer last year, for example. Those players bailed his ass out, right? It happens. But with yeah, Boston, I mean, typically, I think most most coaches are yes. made by their players. Yeah, for sure. There's yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think football is a lot different, right? I think the NFL is a lot different in that sense. Yeah. And I think baseball is like almost one hundred percent the players. Okay, I thought you were going to say baseball is more like football. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, exactly. How many times have I have you seen a manager, you know, get a World Series in the whole year? You're like, I have no idea what he's doing. Or a guy has a terrible year with a, a certain team, goes to another team, and they're just phenomenal. Gabe Kepler is a perfect example in Philly. He got canned, goes to the Giants, and what do they have? A 200 wins in his right. first season. It doesn't, it doesn't mean much, but with Boston, you have Tatum, you have Brown, Smart, Horford, uh, Robert Williams. I, I guess you assume at this point that Daniel Tice gets relegated to an even smaller role. If like, does he even, how many minutes does Daniel Tice get if Robert Williams ends up playing 30 minutes today? And, and again, I'm not sure it's all that important, but uh, let's just talk about the front court with Robert Williams role expected to expand today. 
Yeah, so, um, I mean, w- Williams is still the big question mark here, but assuming that he plays like 24 minutes or something like that, um, I do expect it to just keep cutting into Daniel Tice. That that would make sense. Um, Horford played 28 minutes last game. I think that Williams being back probably does lower the chances of you getting those 40-minute Horford games. Uh, you could potentially you know, get more than 28 minutes here, but um, I, I think that it does have a, at least somewhat of a negative impact on Horford as well. All right. Well, do you have any priorities for Boston? I guess would be the first question here. We can kick it off with Tatum, who I think, you know, with the minutes he's playing, with the usage he's seeing, very difficult not to like like him, especially against the Brooklyn team that I'm not saying they're giving up. I think it's silly to make that assertion. You know, people said after Embiid hit that game winner in game three, that Toronto was just going to go quiet into the night. It's not really how things work. And and I'm not taking that. Uh, in the consideration. I hope they don't so that we get a competitive game here uh, and, and and they can either avoid elimination or come close to avoiding it. But Tatum's going to play huge minutes with big usage f- again. Yeah, and as far as getting uh, a game five, somebody mentioned it in chat, but Scott Foster has this game, so that makes it pretty likely. Um, yeah, oh, God, fa- he's just trash. Yeah. As, as far as uh, you know, Boston goes, I think the $9,500 price tag on Tatum, $8,200 on Brown, they, they to me look like the best two options. Um, like you were saying, just going to get a ton of minutes. 44 and a half last game from Tatum, 38 from uh, Jalen Brown. Tatum basically, once again, just played the entire second half. So both of those guys look good. Tatum, I think, looks the best. Um, and then, you know, Smart, I think, is like the third guy for me, followed by Horford. All right. Any other thoughts here on Boston that you want to dive into that could be applicable for this three-game slate? Um, I don't really think so. I mean, when you look at the the cheat pieces, like Pritchard's 3,300, played 12 minutes last game. Derek White really just hasn't played much outside of one game. So he's someone like at 4,200 if you wanted to roll the dice and hope that you get the 24 minute Derek white game, then fine. But I don't think there's much reason to think that's coming. Um, Grant Williams at 3,800, kind of the same thing. So there's not a lot for me here that I feel confident in outside of, yeah, you know, outside of, of the Tatum Brown pieces. You know, I think there will be opportunities to play some lower owned, you know, lesser talked about players in games where, and, bear with me here where a team is kind of where, where they're up against the wall yesterday. We kind of talked about that with, for example, like a bones Highland once in a while, guys like that can come out and and they can be a spark plug in a game where you really need them. We've seen that actually on a couple of occasions, we saw Atlanta close out the game uh, the other night to get a win against Miami and not go down three. Oh, not that it's going to matter, with with th- with what three bench players? E- even if you don't include Bogdanovich, you had what Delon Wright and um, and and a Kongu out there. So a- anything can happen in these spots. It just doesn't feel like the way with Boston's position that we should be trying to get too far into the weeds with any of the the non-key players at all. Yeah, I, I agree completely. What do you want to do with Brooklyn then? I mean, this is once again a spot where you have Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving, two guys who have been wildly disappointing throughout this series. Credit Boston, too. Defensively, they've been very, very good. But when you have Joel Embiid on this site, and, and I, I'll, we'll get into it, but I think he has a, a monster bounce-back game today, and I feel pretty confident that he's going to run all over Toronto despite them trying to bring doubles at him. Uh, but with Brooklyn, 
should we be looking at this as everyone else is assuming that KD and Brooklyn or uh, and, and Irving specifically at that ownership are just not going to get it done and, and maybe try and use that to our advantage? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough spot because Durant's price for the minutes he's going to play is insane. $10,000 for Kevin Durant playing, you know, 44 minutes is really, really cheap. Boston's obviously very good defensively, but Durant's not like, so he, he's averaged 0.86 DraftKings points per minute in this series. You can say whatever you want about how good Boston's defense is. Um, and Kevin Durant's not over a larger sample going to continue averaging 0.86 DraftKings points per minute. So like, he's very, very clearly underpriced. I am interested to see what the ownership ends up looking like because it's obviously a very difficult matchup, but there's still a massive ceiling on Durant. And like, I assume that you're just going to get more ownership coming into Jason Tatum for $500 less. And I love Tatum here, but um, if that is the case, then using Durant in tournaments still makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Because despite how bad they've been, these are still two. I mean, I'll, I'll say Irving too, but these are still two guys that can score 50 real points in any game again, in any matchup. It's just, we haven't seen it yet and it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but they can I don't know. It's it's a tough spot to to get to because we we've seen how brutal it's been. And like you said, you have Tatum and you have other guys on this slate that are really appealing. So what about guys like Seth Curry and Bruce Brown? Who I don't know. Bruce Brown's been the best option on this damn team throughout this series, man. Yeah, playing insanely well, getting a ton of minutes. He's the only other guy on this team outside of Durant and Irving that I think you can actually feel confident in his playing time. And um, that's not surprising. Like that, I, I expected that coming in that, um, you know, Curry was going to be low thirties. Typically uh, the center rotation was going to be a mess, but Bruce Brown is just going to be out there for close to the entire game. The price tag's getting up there. He's still not a high usage guy. So it's, you know, relatively risky. I, I kind of view it like Marcus smart at this price range where like the minutes are going to be there. His average production makes him look pretty good. Um, not like wildly underpriced, but certainly, you know, capable of doing well, but just kind of risky because he's not like, if the game goes ideally for Brooklyn, he's not being asked to do that much offensively. And so guys like that can still disappear, but at the same time, $6,500 for 40 minutes is pretty appealing because he is close to a fantasy point per minute guy. Howdy 06 in chat, and, and people were saying this yesterday. I'm not picking on you, man, but he says KD done, in my opinion. Th th this is the one thing I don't understand. He has not been particularly good, okay, in this series at all. And, and last game, the fact that he refused to, to, to be even a little bit aggressive is concerning. But if you've watched any Kevin Durant games this season, like even late in the season, you know he's not done. He just dropped 55 points a few games before the season ended. 55 actual points, two games removed, and was two games removed from a 41-point game. The guy can still light it up. I, I, I don't know where this whole he's done uh, thing is coming from unless it's like un – unless we just assume that after the regular season ended, he, he rapidly deteriorated, and now he's nowhere close to what he was two weeks ago. Right. I mean, the – one reason I love postseason DFS is that people overreact so strongly to what happens in one or two, or two games. Um, this season so far, it's been kind of annoying because it keeps happening in the next game also. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't, you, it, it's crazy to draw that conclusion that Durant is washed because of how three games have gone compared to what we saw all regular season. Uh, also, somebody in chat said he needs to gain weight. Like the dude's been the same size his whole career. He's not <laughs> 
Hey, well, what is he gaining weight now? Right. Yeah. Like Ke- Ke- Kevin Durant's too small to succeed in the NBA, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Like one of the most prolific scores in the history of the NBA. Would have been better if he just put on a few pounds. Right. Uh, he needs to grow some hair back too. <laughs> do, you, do you like Ben Simmons? To, oh wait, wait. <laughs> Woke up with some back pain. I mean, now that that right there, true shocker. I personally didn't see it coming. I'm sure other people did. Uh, I was highly supportive in Philadelphia. Thought he got a bad rap. Uh, I totally believe that this is strictly back pain. There's nothing else involved here. Uh, and was adamantly, vehemently opposed to the James Harden trade because I wanted Ben Simmons to stick around and never play another game for Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, what a what a ridiculous uh, development this is. He was good to go. Everything looks good. And now, once he heard that he might be the first guy in history to ever play uh, back-to-back elimination games, his back starts hurting again. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I was supportive of him. I was excited for Brooklyn with that. I was, trade. and everything I said was absolute sarcasm. No, I, I know it was. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember your thoughts on Ben Simmons before. But, like, I was – I liked the trade for the Nets, assuming that Simmons was going to actually get back on the floor and play. Sure. Um, sure. But obviously not the case. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty disappointing. I thought it benefited the Nets, but that was – I kept saying, like, to, to – I think it was to Josh, like oh, – all of this trade looks great if Ben Simmons actually plays, but we haven't seen him play. You know, we have not seen him play and we don't know whatever's going on. If he's ever going to play again, listen, I was totally supportive of him. Philly was supportive of him until, you know, he passed up that, that shot under the basket with Trey young guarding him. And, and it was just an obvious sign that this dude had zero drive. He, he just, look, I hate to be this guy and assign motive, where it might not be, Adam, feels like, here it comes, feels like he doesn't really love the game of basketball like some other people. I mean, I think he's also trying to win a lawsuit, so. What's that have to do with not, what's that have to do with being like, I'm good to go, and then two days later saying, I'm not good anymore? I think it's just that, like, him not playing reinforces the fact that he's actually hurt. Right. So that's why I'm saying, don't, don't give them any indication that you're good to go. Just stay sure, hurt yeah, the whole yeah. time. That's what's strange to me. Anyway, what else do you want to do with? with yeah, uh, there with are some Bro- horrible Kevin Durant takes in chat right now. I'm telling you, people just just hate this guy. And yeah, yes, amazing stuff. David Porter inside the NBA, totally the best show. It is. You get Charles Barkley and Shaq together. It's the greatest thing ever. Charles takes on Minnesota. Where- <laughs> Or it's so good. And then on the same night, he's like the, the whole banging. If you're getting banged. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that was that was great. And, and like er, er, Ernie Johnson, like trying to keep it together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ernie always just tries to pivot to like, oh, yeah. And uh, Minnesota struggled from the three point line today and no <laughs> one's having it. No one even right. pays attention to what he's right. saying. Rodney Miles, welcome to Team Awesome, my man. Appreciate you. Welcome to the family. All right. Anything else from Brooklyn before we keep this going? Um, the center rotation is kind of interesting in tournaments. Like Drummond's down to 4,500. He played 15 minutes last game. Claxton played 20, um, or 21. I I think that, you know, it is a really risky 
they're both risky, but they both do still have upside just because, you know, if Drummond for one reason or another gets to 18 to 20 minutes, he can pay off 4,500. If Claxton gets to like 24, uh, or I mean, even yesterday or last game, he was fine in 21, but um, there, there is still some upside there, but we did see the closing lineup where uh, neither of those guys were out there, which was something I'd been expecting for a while. Um, but for the first two games of the series, you were basically getting close to 48 minutes from Drummond and, and Claxton. Uh, last game, you got eight minutes from, from Blake Griffin, but you had the closing lineup where neither of them were out there. So uh, maybe we see more of that and, you know, he loses minutes. I know people had mentioned Blake Griffin in chat. You know, maybe Griffin gets into the first half rotation here. He is only 3,200, um, but I'm still not, you know, confident in that happening. That seemed like a last gasp effort to, for them yeah. to try and find something. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that you're – if Blake Griffin is your solution to winning this series, you should just pack it up and go home. Exactly. Exactly. It's not a difference maker. Anyway, Dragic only playing nine minutes last game was surprising. That's that kind of made no sense to me because in this series, Dragic has not been like he has been far from a liability. Grant, I'm not saying Dragic comes out there, plays lockdown defense, but he's shooting really well in, in the limited minutes that he played. I, I don't know. It, it, it was odd to see him play nine minutes there, but. Yeah, one positive takeaway, uh, not performance-wise, but minutes-wise, uh, we did see Seth Curry get up to 34 minutes. We know that he's playing through an injury, so uh, it was good to at least see him exceed 30 minutes. At 4,400, he's an okay value. Uh, still nothing that I'm excited about, though. Underdog Fantasy. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys have, have already signed up over there, whether it was you know last year playing best ball for, for football or even this season for, for basketball. But they got some great daily contests over there as well. Like the 25K Monday night hoops contest tonight, 4K go in the first place. We got a lot of screenshots submitted for the awesome Hall of Fame, too, uh, in the past couple of weeks that we've been sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Some nice ones, you know, like some two, three, four thousand dollar ones rolling in pretty, pretty consistently. And if you sign up over there at underdogfantasy.com or in the App Store, Google Play Store, wherever you want to download the app, uh, they'll double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Just use the promo code AWESOMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Uh, promo code AWESOMO, double your first deposit at Underdog Fantasy. Some great contests over there. The NFL draft is coming up. We're going to have some best ball contests coming down the pike for that. That is a lot of fun. Even early in the year, like in the offseason, it's still a blast. And you can really take advantage uh, of some ADPs that are just all over the board if you're doing it right. And they're going to have some monster prize pools at Underdog for football like we saw last year as well. So get in on the daily NBA contest, uh, hang out with us for some NFL best ball content coming up shortly and all of that good stuff. And of course, use the promo code awesome. get up to a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus or a hundred dollar match. When you go ahead and use that promo code at underdogfantasy.com. All right. Toronto and Philly Toronto escaped uh, the, or the escaped elimination last game. You come back to, to Philly today down three, one, this is, this is the biggest thing on the slate. Just given that Fred Van Vliet is legitimately questionable and tore his Jersey and went into, to, to replace his Jersey last game, Adam. What an, like, yeah, <laughs> you sent that to me. And I, I laughed so hard reading that. That was ridiculous. The fact that he doubled down and for anyone not familiar, we're talking about one of the Sixers beat writers, but so Fred Van Vliet gets hurt and immediately just like rips his jersey goes to the locker room he, he gets it was hurt. keith pompey i believe yeah it was keith, keith pompey um 
he gets hurt. He takes a foul to get himself out of the game, rips his jersey, goes straight to the locker room. Sixers beat writer tweets that Van Vliet just picked up his second foul and in frustration ripped his jersey. Now he's going to the locker room, presumably to get a new jersey. <laughs> and like, so he starts getting clowned on that tweet because everybody watching the game knows what happened. So then instead of just being like, oh, I was wrong, he follows it up and says, it also appears Van Vliet may have been injured. So that could be contributing to this. Like, the entire reason that it happened. It was, and the broadcasters the entire time, if you were watching this game, they're like, Van Vliet's clearly not right. This is right. before the foul, but you could tell he was hobbling. Like, he's clearly not right. Uh, by the way, you, you got to be pretty strong to just rip a jersey like that. I would imagine those are pretty, uh, pretty well-made pieces of cloth. Yeah, hadn't really thought about it, but yeah. You know what I mean? I, you see people do that. I don't think it's as easy as, as you would think, especially with a jersey like that. I don't know. We should try it one day on stream. You got a jersey you could put on? Uh, yeah, I have a Sean Taylor jersey. All right, we'll rip that. There's no <laughs> way, dude, there's no way you're ripping that. That's a Reebok. Those things are super strong. Yeah, yeah, there's no chance that I could rip that. Maybe, maybe if you had it, hold it in front of you, but if it's on your person and you're trying to rip that, I don't think you're getting, I that. feel like it being on your person makes it easier because like, you don't have leverage though. I could create better. Like, I feel like I could get, find a better position. Maybe you're right. Cause it's anchored to your back. Right. Like it can't, like, if you're just holding it in front of you, it has more like give, but if yeah, it's on you your might body, be right. pull it off the back, anchor it to your back and then just right. stretch. Yeah. All right. We'll try it one day. Do you think you could do it with a basketball jersey? I think more likely with a basketball jersey than a football jersey. Yeah, I think it'd be tough. Baseball jerseys would be tough too. I, I feel Real like basketball, basketball jerseys, I get, if I could do it, it would be a basketball jersey. Now I'm curious. How do you want to approach this today? Do you think Van, v Van Vliet plays? Uh, no. I don't either. I, oh, he just got ruled out? Oh, one yes. minute ago. That is Perfect amazing time. timing for a strategy show. We never I, get that lucky. I'm glad I said no and didn't just go into some like tangent on why I think he's going to play. <laughs> Here's why Van Fleet <laughs> plays tonight. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's significant. You look at their 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 second half lineup. We've the thing is with with Toronto, we're not really all that unfamiliar with what Nick Nurse likes to do when one of these guys is out you know what i mean you can play barnes at the one or, or trent or whatever siakam really is your primary ball handler and then you just start precious achua i wasn't listening i was explaining my sean taylor joke in chat i'm i'm saying that you, you that that we have a good idea of what nick nurse does in these situations because we've seen it so many times this year like siakam's your primary ball handler mostly but you know, uh, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent pick up a little bit more of that responsibility, start one of them at the point, put Precious Achua in the starting lineup. I, I think we have a decent idea of what this is going to look like now. Yeah, I expect that you'll see the same starting lineup that you did in the second half last game where Achua is back in the starting lineup with the other main four guys. Um, the and one really obviously Barnes over Ken Birch. Yeah, Bar Barnes started the second half. Right, I'm uh, saying, I just meant wait. that he didn't start the game. Yeah, 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 but, but yeah. The, the second half starting lineup, though, had Barnes. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So the, the one like really interesting piece from Toronto that is a really, really big question mark and that we hadn't seen during the regular season was Stad Young playing 30 minutes. That's something that I, I had been kind of confused about. I think a lot of people have been kind of confused, like why he wasn't 
really getting minutes here. But we saw him come in. He played really well. He got 30 minutes. I don't necessarily think he gets 30 minutes again. But at 3,700, if he even gets into the 20s, he's going to look like a good value option. He's still risky because, like, you could certainly get those minutes going to Chris Boucher, for example, instead, um, who's only 3,900. But I think at least one of Boucher or Young ends up being a really good value piece here. Absolutely. And the fact and, and and young can make plays too. Like that's important to keep in mind with Van Vliet being out. No question. I, I will say too the Thad Young thing was ju- just throwing it out there. Very much a hot hand thing last game. He he was a he did move the needle. He was a difference maker last game. Defensively, uh from beyond the arc, made a huge difference, played 30 minutes. I really don't know if you're going to see, you know, Thaddeus Young come in and play the same minutes tonight or be as involved as he was. Boucher played 19 minutes in that game. So to your point, one of those guys is probably going to let you down. If you're playing them, the other one will probably get uh, extended run. It's just really difficult to figure out who it's going to be pre-tip. Yeah, um, and they are both so cheap, though. I mean, like last game, for example, Boucher played 19 minutes. Um, I, I think if he's playing well or, you know, depending on how the game goes, he certainly could play more. But even if Boucher plays 19 to 20 minutes at 3,900, he yeah. certainly can get there. Absolutely um, agree. And, and if either of them get, you know, 28 to 30 minutes, they're probably going to be the best value. There's no question that that both of these guys, given their price points, are worth the risk no matter what. Uh, I'd say particularly Boucher, because as you just pointed out, Boucher could play 18 minutes and still give you 25. Yeah, and and, and also, I mean, a truest part of this conversation too, I mentioned Boucher and Young just because they're coming off the bench, but um, so so I think, you know, Achua is a little bit more obvious, but 4,100 for Achua, probably playing mid to upper 20s, uh, that's a pretty favorable salary as well. Anybody else for Toronto? Um, yeah, I mean... The, the normal guys, uh, Siakam, looks oh, yeah. better with, Siakam looks better without Van Vliet. Gary Trent's usage rate goes up. He's only 5,700. So I think those two guys look really good. Um, if you start getting to some OG Ananobi or Scotty Barnes, I think uh, they're both pretty solid options as well. But um, Siakam and Trent out of the, the normal starters, I think are a step ahead for me, um, but certainly not like it's a, a huge gap. Like Ananobi and, and Barnes are still fine. Just really like Trent and Siakam. So I'm going back to Joel Embiid today. Uh, I'm going over 27 and a half points as well. You can get 28 and a half at, at even money on DraftKings. But uh, I I just expect him to be more aggressive in this game. I would hope that they can figure out that passing to him every time above the three-point line and having instant doubles is not going to be highly successful. But at the same time, man, he still put up 21 points and shot over five in the first quarter. Uh, they go back home. They get some home cooking. They've attempted 64 uh, free throws in the first two games at home and only 45 in, in the second two games. I, I do think when you get an elimination game like that, you can and you can see some calls that are or, or non calls that are a little bit questionable. I think, you know, I come back home. Refs could be a little bit more liberal with a whistle and. And when it comes to to Joel Embiid, you know, getting up 12, 13 free throw attempts, I just expect to I, I just like going back to him today in a huge game for them to be able to put the clamps on and, and close this series out. And at 10 to uh, I'm not looking at last game or the thumb. He still shot six for 11 in the, in the final three frames. So I like Embiid a lot today. Yeah, I mean. 
the the only concern I would have is the thumb, but that's also mitigated by the fact he's ten thousand two hundred dollars. The yeah. fact he played almost forty minutes last game. Um, if the thumb's not going to affect his playing time, and I assume it's not, unless like he somehow re like injures it even more during the game, which I don't think is really possible. Um, you even if you want to say like Embiid doesn't produce at the same rates as he normally would because of his thumb you still would have to drop those rates really, really far for him not to look good at $10,200. So um, even though I think the thumb is a, a legitimate concern from a production standpoint, he's still, the the price tag is is way too cheap even considering the, the thumb injury. I would definitely rather him not have the thumb injury. Right. Sure. But he's, for what it's worth though, I mean, he hit that, that fadeaway game-winning three with the thumb injury. The thumb injury didn't happen after that game in game three. You know, right. he... He was playing through it in the second half, so or at least some of the second half. So he can still yeah. get it done. The, the way I view it, like if if Embiid were eleven five or twelve k or something, then I think we have to at least have more of a conversation about the thumb and for sure, you know, try and figure out. Like again, like it would, it would be a pure guessing game anyway. Like how much is it going to affect him? I have no idea, but it would at least be more of a conversation here at ten two. It's just like sure, if you want to just knock down his rates a little bit and say he's not going to produce quite as well, he's still going to look really good at ten two. Yeah, and we've got him projected for pretty decent ownership as well today. So it's not like he's going overlooked. Uh, NBA player rankings, totally free. MLB ownership rankings and NHL player projections, all free over at awesomeo.com. Uh, and if you're someone that wants to get access to all of our tools, uh, whether it's baseball, getting the ownership and projections, the top pitcher tool, the top stacks tool, just integral parts of everybody's of everybody's game, or MMA, or NBA, or USFL, or FS, or, FS, or F1, I keep saying FS1, uh, or any anything if they have contests out there we have content for esports you name it nascar all of that stuff we've got projections uh and and for almost every sport ownership the the lineup builder and, and so much more all of this built by awesome himself alex baker and and managed by some other phenomenal players got a premium discord too with the office hours where you got the pros answering your questions helping you better game better your game great community awesome slash join if you want to dive into that, you can do a week, a month, a year, one sport, every sport, whatever your budget, whatever your style of play is, we got you covered. All right. Uh, and if you have any questions, my DMs are open. You can hit me up. Uh, I'm happy to help you with that if, if you're un, unsure of anything. How do you want to approach Harden and, and Harris and Maxi? And then we can get into some of the cheaper options, which there isn't much there today for Philly. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to add on Embiid, um, obviously, I think he, he's really good at 10 too. Uh, still pay attention to the ownership. I mean, right now we have him projected to be the second highest owned player on the slate yeah, at 34%. We have Durant at 23%. You have Luca at 21. Um, Tatum is, is basically the same as, as Embiid, but um, still, you know, certainly pay attention to the ownership there, but I, I don't, I'm not concerned about him at that price. It's more so just maybe pivoting to some of the other high upside guys at lower ownership. Um, I think Harden looks pretty good at 9,200, just still a, a really cheap price tag. Um, another spot where I think ownership will play a pretty big role here because, for example, I like Jason Tatum a, a bit more than Harden, but Tatum's also getting a lot more ownership. Um, Jalen Brown for $1,000 less is getting more. So uh, especially if you're not going to Embiid, like I, I like the idea in a tournament lineup of, you know, if you go away from Embiid going to Harden and just hoping that this turns into a game yep. uh, where Harden takes over. But Especially if they look to to alleviate some of the pressure on Embiid and figure out better ways to do that by getting, like I think, I think Tobias is is even viable at 13%. He's averaging 17 rebounds per game in this series, and he's played 40-plus in regulation in back-to-back -back spots. 
Yeah, and yeah, like you said, playing huge minutes, him and Maxi both. Uh, last game, looking at the usage, Embiid was still at 28.8%, which is high, but that is lower than Embiid's normal uh, usage. You got 27% from Harden. He was really the only other guy that um, had a high usage rate in that game. But I know we've both mentioned it before, too. Um, for guys like Harris and Maxi, if you're getting wide open threes, it doesn't matter that much that uh, right. your usage rate is relatively low because you're just going to convert so many of those. Danny Green's price is uh, starting to get not up there, but he, he's starting to, to creep a little bit where he's no longer going to be a chalk play. And he, he played 28 minutes last game after playing huge minutes in back to back spots. Yeah, he's I mean, it's Danny Green, like you, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, he didn't play as many minutes last game as we expected. You got more from you got a little bit more from the Yang. But I, I still expect on average, you're going to get low to mid 30s from Danny Green. Um, He's not a great point per minute guy, but 4,300, he can still get it done. I don't think he's anywhere near the level of priority tonight that he was on previous slates, though. Uh, by the way, I'd rather, if, if you're playing one of these super cheap guys that gets very low minutes totals, I'd rather go Paul Reed over Blake Griffin for anybody that was asking about that earlier. Paul Reed can legitimately put up 20 fantasy points in 10 minutes. We've seen him do it. Uh, on multiple occasions this season, multiple occasions. Shit, he put up 20 in six minutes uh, back in uh, in late March. So I'm, I'm not excited about this. He's going to play super low minutes. There's no doubt about it. But uh, he, he is insanely active when he's out there. So just throwing that out there, if you're if you're in a large field tournament and you come down to 3,200 and, and maybe he's the only guy there, you get 10 minutes, maybe even a couple more unlikely, but maybe 10 minutes from Paul Reed. Uh, he can legit double that up in, in 10. That, that's all I got for Philly, though. I don't have anything else. Yeah, um, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, the the concern. So when you're talking Reed versus Griffin, there's at least a chance that Griffin like just gets 16 minutes or something, whereas that's never happening for Paul Reed unless Embiid gets hurt. Right. But at the same time, Reed is such a good point per minute guy. Um, really, I'm just not going to play either one. But I, I agree with you. I think I would go to Reed first. Yeah, the, the yeah the, the the goal would be not to have to get to either of those guys for sure. I don't, uh, I don't mind taking some flyers on the Yang possibly just because he did play twenty two minutes last game. Um, but again, just not anything that I'm overly excited about. Like I would just I'd much rather be getting to Thad Young and Chris Boucher. Man, the problem with Yang is he's such a defensive liability that they just they just go at him every single time he's on the floor. But. Yeah, he did get those minutes, and he is a good – he's a 41-plus percent three-point shooter, so it's certainly possible at that price he could get there as well. You got you know, you got and, to take some shots. And well, some and, and, and also, and I just totally blanked on it, but they have Thibault back now, right? Yeah, at home. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that can cut into Niang as well. Like, we saw in the first couple of games, you know, Thibault coming off the bench. Game two, he played like 10 minutes. So, I don't think he plays enough to matter himself, but it does make, you know, Somebody like Niang look worse. Absolutely. Hit that thumbs up too. If you haven't done so yet, only 89, we got 430 people watching. I mean, we got 10 to a hundred. Take one second out of your day. If you're mobile watching on your phone, just click out of chat, hit thumbs up, go right back in the chat. It's a uh, highly appreciated and it does help us a lot around here. And thanks for uh, subscribing to the channel for all you guys that hang with us each day. All right. Utah and Dallas fun series, nine 30 game here. Utah and the Mavs slow pace game, but Donovan Mitchell, the guy just is, is a absurdly high usage rate player. 
He's getting to the line a lot. He's attempted 20-plus field goals in each game that he's played this season. He's jacking up a ton of shots from three. He hasn't had that monster performance yet, and you have to credit Dallas as well. Uh, but I think it's it's at least fair to say that Mitchell has been one of the most consistent players in this price range of anyone in the playoffs. Yeah, and the opportunities are certainly there. You know, it's not the most appealing matchup, like you said. Dallas is solid defensively, and this game is – going to be played at a slow pace, but through the first four games in this series, Mitchell's averaging 39.8 minutes per game. He has a 36.5% usage rate and a 30% assist percentage. He's averaging 1.18 DraftKings points per minute. Um, Not shooting well. I mean, he's shooting 23.5% from three. Like, you can certainly get like his average production still looks good for his $8,800 price tag. But if you get the good Donovan Mitchell shooting game, then you're talking about a massive ceiling for somebody that's only projected for like 20% ownership. Right. Exactly. I don't have any issues with it whatsoever. If, if you're going to, like you said, it's, it's all about the ceiling there. What about Boyan Bogdanovich at 5,800? Another guy who's been pretty integral in, in them actually being able to put points on the board. Cause not many others can do it. Yeah. Um, for the rest of Utah, like I, I still think Gobert is cheap at 7,100. The issue is just that uh, he's not involved whatsoever offensively, but you're still getting you know plenty of rebound opportunities. You're still most likely getting solid run from him. He played 32 and a half minutes last game. I, I feel like that's a pretty decent projection for him just because uh, you know we have seen the playing time down a little bit the last couple of games, but he also dealt with some foul trouble. Um, you could certainly still get those minutes that you got from the first two games. I just don't feel super confident in it, but at 7,100 still looks good. Um, he's only averaged 0.97 DraftKings points per minute in the series, but you could certainly still see that go up. And um, then beyond that, you know, Conley, Clarkson, Bogdanovich, I think they're all just fine, like secondary plays. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think once you're looking at, at looking at Utah at, at this rate, you get down to the bottom. There's really not much there. But even in that middle spot, I don't know. I, I did want to ask you just, just to dive in a little bit deeper on one more player before we talk about Dallas. What are we to make of, of Mike Conley right now? The, the one game where he played 22 minutes and shot terribly, he was also in foul trouble. Uh, there were a lot of reasons that, that went into him seeing limited minutes. Then he played 35. The game before the 22-minute game, he played 34. And then he only played 24 minutes last game in a spot where they were down like five points with 34 seconds to go and ended up getting the win. Yeah, I think his minutes are risky here. Um because he's really high owned. Is he the highest owned projected player on the entire slate? He yep. is. Yeah. Yeah. And he was really popular last slate too. It's a tricky spot because like he certainly could go play 34 to 36 minutes. We know he's not a bad point per minute guy, although he has struggled so far in the series, uh, only 0.77 DraftKings points per minute, but he's also been really bad defensively. So like, not that Jordan Clarkson taking his minutes is likely to fix that, but um, you know, if, if, if Conley's getting torched defensively, you can just say, okay, well, you know, especially if, if you're down and you need scoring, maybe Clarkson steals some minutes again. So on average, I would expect like 30 to 32 minutes from Conley, but I do think it's really volatile. So I think he's a good value at 5,400. Um, but I also think that there's pretty significant downside. Anything else for Utah? Um, I was actually curious. So Bogdanovich last game had a 16% usage rate. The reason that's actually interesting, he still played a ton of minutes, but the reason that's interesting to me is we had seen earlier in the series uh, Bogdanovich with elevated usage rates. Last game, he just kind of took it upon himself to be 
the best on-ball defender and really, really work on the defensive end. So if that continues, I wouldn't be surprised if we if uh, we do see a decreased usage rate for Bogdanovich going forward just because of the energy he's expending on the other end. If Danny Green at 4,300 is getting similar ownership to someone like Clarkson, shouldn't we be looking a little bit heavier at Jordan Clarkson playing 30 and 36 minutes over his last two? Like, is it not possible that maybe Mike Conley continues to lose minutes and Clarkson continues to play bigger minutes as a better offensive threat off the bench? It's certainly possible. Um, and I mean, Clarkson is also getting 23%, so it's not like he's going um... – no, not. I'm just saying he's he's 4,700. Clarkson's not 5,800 either. Right. Yeah. I think Clarkson is underpriced. Um, I'm not sure that I would want to play him with Conley, but uh, I I think that as far as upside goes, Clarkson certainly looks good. Um, and then to your point, I mean, just a much higher ceiling. I think Clarkson has a much higher ceiling than somebody like Seth Curry or Danny Green or any of these mid 4K guys that we're talking about. On the other side of this one, the Dallas Mavericks are getting their second game now with Luka Doncic back. He was a little rusty to start, still finished with 30 and 10 now. The guy's a star. Jalen Brunson, though, he's still he's still expensive. Don't get me wrong, but nice performance from him, too. Uh, I like this Dallas team. I like watching this Dallas team. I don't know how much of them we want to get to today with Luka back in the mix, although you're still getting a cheap Reggie Bullock uh, and he played 46 minutes last game, man. Yeah, I think – so, I mean, uh, Luca coming back obviously is a negative for just about everybody. Um, but you did get a little bit of a drop in price for Brunson um, at 7,200. Certainly not anything I'm building around, but still 36 minutes from him. If you call it you know, a fantasy point per minute, he's still going to look decent at that price. Luca played 34 minutes. That was a big deal because um, they had said – that he was likely to be limited. Then they kind of said, like, no official limit. We'll see how he feels. He had said previously that when he came back, he didn't want to be on a minutes limit. He said it would make him uncomfortable um, that he didn't want to that he just wanted to be able to play full minutes. Um, I think there's a very good chance that you just get back to completely normal run from Luca today, which makes him look good at 10-6. Uh, you know, certainly just another guy in that mix with Harden and Durant, where they're all underpriced, I think. Um, but then with guys like Finney Smith and Bullock. The kind of nice thing is that they're not high usage guys, regardless of what Luca's doing. You know, if Luca doesn't play, you're just getting the usage for Brunson and Dinwiddie. It's it's still not going to Finney Smith and Bullock, but they're playing so many minutes, specifically Bullock. But uh, Finney Smith playing too, the where, whole game basically, right? Like they're they're not good point per minute guys. But if you tell me that they're going to play 44 minutes or you know 40 minutes, they're still going to look like decent values um, at at their respective salaries. If you give me a sub 5K guy that's playing the entire game, uh, I'm going to be perfectly fine with him even if he's a low per minute player uh, because another thing too bullock at least gets up some threes you know he's attempting he's attempting a, a, over six threes per game in this series so you're at least getting some nice opportunity for him to knock down maybe four threes in a game uh, and give you decent enough numbers if his rebounding totals are okay uh, 25 27 at this price in the playoff series uh, on this slate specifically i think is perfectly reasonable do you think uh, Maxi is just another one of these guys that we have to say, hey, if, if he comes out and, and starts lighting it up again, he's going to get additional run. And if he doesn't, he's not. And we're going to see what we got last game where he fouled out and wasn't shooting well. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of volatility in those minutes. Um, it's certainly a cheap enough price tag where 
you should be playing him. Like if you're playing 150 lineups, you're certainly getting to him yeah. and hoping that he manages to avoid fouls and knock down some shots. But um, you know, still just a really volatile piece. And similarly, Dwight Powell got a little bit more run last game. Uh, he's 3,500. He does produce a little bit better with Luca. Not a huge difference, but uh, he is a little bit better. So. I don't feel confident in either one. I think I play Kleba a little bit more than Powell, but um, they're they're both cheap and worth taking some shots at. Yeah. Anybody else for Dallas? I don't think so. Neither do I. I think they're a pretty self-explanatory team, right? Yeah. You just pretty much. You play you play the guy in Luka Doncic who is dominant, or you play the guys that are playing the entire game. Uh, or you take some shots on like a maxi and hope that he that he starts opening things up. But like you're right, the Brunson prices come down. It's just still, it's still kind of tough. He's getting what 14%. All right. What do we got coming up next? You got MLB strategy show, Jordan? We do, right? 11 o'clock. Yeah, coming up. Eric Linquist, Terry McBride. Then you got uh, MLB Live Before Lock at four with Eric and Neil. Greg and Adam are on the deeper dive and Josh Engelman and myself close it out six o'clock all the way up to seven 30 for live before lock tonight. We'll have that 30 minute post lock show as well. Hit Adam up at ship my money DFS me at Lafayette underscore D shout out to our boy, Jordan Klein as always. And we'll see you back here in just a little bit for some more NBA content. Peace.